Lots of position group battles for Oregon football this spring. But Dan Lanning's probably got his eyes most heavily on these two. Here we go. You are Locked On Ducks, your daily podcast on the Oregon Ducks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, it is that time once again for Locked On Ducks. I'm your host, Spencer McLaughlin. Thank you so much for making this your first listen or your first view of the day if you're watching on YouTube. Happy Friday. This is, of course, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your number one source to stay up to date with the Ducks. If you haven't already, like, comment, subscribe. Please and thank you wherever you listen to or watch this show, which today is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. My man, Ryan Winner. He is Sports Chat 503. You know him. He is literally the most encyclopedia-like sports talk host I know. He's got everything. He's got every time he agrees to come on the show, he just says, man, let's talk about anything and everything. So let's start, Ryan, with, with the spring football position group battles. I think the most intriguing ones are both on the defensive side of the ball. But where would you look? I think uh, you can look to the offense. I think tight ends because, you know, you've got some, uh, you know, movement there. I think you know where you have the most part in the offense. And then I think defense, you can look at the linebackers. That's one of mine. That That is that is 100% one of mine. Because I think you bring in a guy like Justin Jacobs mm-hmm. to start. That second spot, dude, how many different directions could that go? Right. Well, I think you know what you have with Bossa, which is nice. I think there is some pieces there that you can still depend on. You know, I'm a big Keith Brown guy, you know, and I think there's going to be some pieces there that you already have seen and you can kind of depend on. Justin Jacobs comes in, I think, is the guy who you would really expect to do some big things. Look at the transfers last year. I mean, they made instant impact. So I would assume that he's going to be a guy to watch out for. But I think also maybe some of the young guys like Devin Jackson, a lot of people really hyped on him coming in, Harrison Taggart. I think those guys are going to probably make some noise as well. Yeah, I, I think you lock in. And remember, the, the reason I find this so fascinating, that position group, and why I've got them as one of my top two battles in terms of most competitive things could go so many different ways, is this is a 4-2-5. So right. you've got a bunch of guys in there, some experienced, some not. Most of them pretty talented. Bossa did struggle, you know, according to PFF last year. And I think he's a little undersized for that position, but he's got more speed, greater coverage ability, struggles against the run. I think all these guys in some form or fashion will play, but who gets the most snaps? They're just so, you know, I'm assuming Jacobs is going to be one because I don't think you bring in that sort of guy unless you think he is. But in the second linebacker spot, it could be Jeffrey Bossa, but they did that last year and results were not stellar. I loved what Keith Brown showed in the Holiday Bowl, but was that a one-game wonder, or was it actually a durable, you know, I mean, he's played the last couple of years, and I'd expect him to again, but does he have a bigger role coming? I don't know. Devin Jackson's in there. And then, you know, the other thing that I've heard, Ryan, they're thinking about moving Jamal Hill to linebacker. So you're now looking at probably four, maybe five guys if Harrison Tagger gets his name into the mix all vying for that number two linebacker spot. And I I just don't see a leader in the clubhouse right now. That's one of the biggest things I'm watching for in spring football is which of those guys can kind of claim that starting spot next to Jacobs. 
Yeah, and then Connor Soley as well. He's another uh, transfer. Good point. Uh, who's you know so again, I think the transfer is looking to play right away. I I think there's going to be some some guys going to be able to flex in there, flex out. I think they're it's really right now about who's going to play the best. Uh, you know, in this scheme, I I think last year was a little bit of a transition year with the scheme. I think you had to kind of play it with who the who you had a little bit, and you had to kind of fit it in a little bit. This year, I think you can maybe get a little go more a little harder on the scheme. You know, I've had people have conversations with me. Uh, especially down in Vegas, even though it's a basketball term, everyone talks about football. But the idea about like having, you know, whose defense is this? Is this Dan Lanning's defense, Tosh Lupoy's defense? You're bringing in other specialists. You know, so the idea is, is that I think, you know, there's got to be also some, you know, focus on the coaching staff too, especially with the linebacker. You need the linebacker core to be a little bit more successful if you want the whole defense to be better. Yeah. And it, it's a question that I get all the time on the show. You know, is it, uh, is it Lannings? Is it Lupoys? Is the, was the scheme the problem last year? Was it the personnel? I think if you want to give credence to the idea that the coaches were there in year one and they were working with a lot of guys who they didn't recruit, who maybe they didn't they don't see as perfect fits for their scheme. Okay, I, they were still talented, and the defense should have been a lot better than it was. Like there, yeah. there's there, there was no excuse for it to be as bad as it was in sequences last year. Even if, you know, as I've argued, it wasn't as bad as it actually looks statistically, it was still unacceptably bad in, in certain situations. Oregon yeah. State and Washington it come to mind. Games. Right, yeah, exactly. It cost you games, and the stats don't look good either. But now in year two, and especially in the portal era, Ryan, no excuses for any of that sort of I stuff. Like, I, I, I don't think there's anything you could look at where you'd say, well, you know, they still need time to get this. You, I don't necessarily expect the defense to be otherworldly Georgia dominant, but you no. got to be way better than no. last year. I don't think anybody will ever be Georgia level. They achieved a different type of level. But I think for Oregon, you know, it's, it's always about, you know, can the, can the players fit the scheme? Can the scheme fit the players? And, you know, there's often years where you're going to have some turnover that, you know, you're unexpected. And I think uh, last year they had guys who, you know, maybe just didn't fit their scheme a little bit. I think I kept leaning on that because I still think that, you know, Flo and Sewell up the middle, great talent. It's not that everybody else's eyes did lied on that thing and they all thought he was some of the best linebackers in the country. They were. But it just, you know, I think Noah was hurt for quite a bit of the year. You know, talking with his dad, uh, you know, at the pro day, I think that, you know, he was he was dinged more than he let on. And again, just these guys, everybody's hurt. Uh, and, you know, it's tough to be a linebacker as well. I think I think the other thing is you got to look at the, the layers of the defense, right? It takes the first layer to keep the second layer clean. It takes that third layer to be able to make some big plays, you know, to uh, to, to not expose that that middle layer. But I think that they, they were just getting burned over the middle, and it was so obvious, and the teams take advantage of it over and over and over. And only the bad teams were the ones who couldn't take advantage of it. All the good teams did. And even in the bowl game, it was the same situation. I mean, Drake May and those guys did the same thing. They picked those guys apart in the middle. So it, it's got to be cleaned up, and especially if that's the identity of this team or that's what you think the identity of this team is going to be, then that, that, that part of the defense has to be locked up. Yeah, something seemed off with Noah Sewell. It's weird that a, a guy who – was Oregon's best defensive player after Kayvon Thibodeau when he got in as a true freshman was suddenly not bad, but just kind of there, you, you know, like, like he, he was solid. He was not bad. PFF indicated otherwise. My, my eye test said he was a good player, but was he as impactful? It felt like as he had been in previous years, I, I'd say probably not. So I, I would certainly buy that he was dinged up. I think Justin Flo 
his whole career was just marred by by injuries, unfortunately. Absolutely. Right. I like Absolutely. he he was not the same player physically, and he is not now that that he was when he came out of high school. No. And you know, people I, I think love to dump on him and whatnot. And, oh my gosh, you know, I've heard it from Oregon State guys like, oh, how Justin Flo work out? I'm like, he got hurt. You know what he did in the one you know what the one healthy game he played was, Ryan? Right. right. Do you remember which oh. one it was? Oh yeah, like he went off. He had like eleven tackles or whatever. Fourteen you know? against 14 Fresno against, State. Yeah. Fourteen well, kind of, and a you, you, you and I both grew up in this area. It's it's kind of like the Greg Odin thing, the Brandon Roy thing, where it's yep. like when those guys actually played together, they actually put together a great record, you know. And <laughs> yeah, but they just never got to do it all. And so, and uh, it's just for whatever reason, it maybe happens to us Northwest teams more than often. Yeah, it, it's it's unfortunate. The Blazers. That's oof, boy, that's. <laughs> That's some that's some that's some PT, PTSD right there. But the the other group I find to be wildly compelling, defensive backs, not the safeties, but but the corners because you got a lot a lot of bodies there, and you also have a lot of options for betting over at FanDuel, America's number one sports book. The tournament is heating up. We're in the midst of it. Unfortunately, Oregon's not there. We'll talk about Oregon hoops later though as well. But now's the time to download FanDuel because new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, super easy to use. You can bet on everything from the money line to point scores and threes drain. So don't miss the chance to get your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. So so the second battle I'm most intrigued by, Ryan, is the, the corners. Because you lose Christian Gonzalez probably to the first round. Guy's a stud. Yeah. And now you have Triquez Bridges, who started a lot. Dante Manning, who's played a lot. You bring in Kyrie Jackson, who I think has got potential, but I don't think he's... A, a, a world beater at corner where he's, oh yeah, he's automatically going to be one of the stars. Jaleel Florence has shown a lot of upside. Is there another young guy that can pop? I mean, I could see this position group going seven different ways in sprint. You could come up with a lot of different permutations for who your top two corners are. And then we know from last year, you're going to have a lot of three, sometimes four, but usually three cornerback sets. Yeah, I think the Jaleel, both of those Jaleels, Jaleel Tucker as well, I think are, are qu questions there. Uh, Trajan Williams is a guy I've been looking for uh, from Portland. But, you know, I think J.J. Greenfield, where they put him is going to be an interesting one. He had a he had a pretty good amount of playing time last year. He'd find himself on the field quite a bit. And, you know, it's going to be interesting to see some where some of these maybe redshirt freshmen go. Um, you know, I don't know exactly how they're going to run these guys. That's what's fun about the spring ball too, is that there's a lot of movement. It feels like in the safety the corner room, there's, there's guys who kind of flex in and out. Now we're talking about possibly flexing safeties up to linebacker. And I just think that's kind of the nature of the game right now is kind of just move guys around. I, I am excited at the fact that you're going to have some transfers in the back. Uh, you're going to have some guys that looks like they're, re they're game ready guys who've been around and played a lot of, uh, uh, you know, ball as well but I'm, I'm really excited for the defensive side I, I think the defensive side this year could be a really fun unit to watch yeah I, I I hope there's a lot of progress on on that front I I really really do I think there's a lot of potential for progress you've got a better pass rusher I think the corners are a question but you brought in experienced safeties 
But the corners, you know, TriQuest Bridges played a lot better than people want to give him credit for. He struggled at the start of the year. But if if you just keep watching those games as they went on, he got better and better and wasn't just, you know, a guy who held his own. He be, he became a really good corner. So I think that that's the biggest question for Lanning and Lupoy and now Chris Hampton as well, Demetrius Martin, all the defensive coaches. I think those two position groups, I think those are the most fascinating battles and where we could see the most kind of kind of turnover or shakeup. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if Devin Jackson was a starting linebacker or number two on the depth chart. Um, you, you know, behind somebody else this year, if he made that leap, or if Jaleel Florence wasn't a starting corner, I, I think we could we could see both that. Oh, I agree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. No, no. I just I just think that I think that when you, whenever you have that gr- growth from year one to year two, you get really excited, right? So you have the young guys who played last year, and you expect big things from them this year, right? And then you have some of the guys who maybe transfer in that could have a big year, rebound year in their career, or whatever the case. And that's why I think it's exciting right now. Yeah, I'm I'm completely with you, and and I'm interested to see how that stuff shakes out because I, I don't really have that great of an indication. You know, next week we'll all exactly. get to the 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 full position group breakdowns and all the names and the possibilities and who I'd like to see, but I I don't have a strong feeling about how the the o- only thing I feel secure about from what we've discussed so far is Justin Jacobs will be a starting linebacker. That's it. I, that, I, I tend to agree. That's it. That's it. I can't see a guy of that caliber not coming in to start right away, barring, you know, uh, a setback with his recovery from an injury, which isn't expected to be a problem. I I think that's that's going to be in there. So I want to talk some hoops with you (laughs) because, oh, man, you're a big hoops fan. I love it, man. I'm a I'm a big hoops fan. And and the men kind of sent a dagger into our hearts a, a little bit. Right. The blow was softened by the fact that it was in the NIT, but I liked watching them play. And now I don't get to watch Oregon basketball play for, you know, seven months or so. And that's not as much fun as being able to watch them play. So we go into offseason mode here. But that game on, what was it, Tuesday? Yeah, to, yeah, that, that, that game on Tuesday night, man, if that wasn't a living embodiment of the entire season... I don't know what was because they missed their threes. They were four of 12 at the free throw line. When they were playing well, they looked like a great, not good, great team. And then they just lose it. And it really, I think, comes down to shooting. They just don't have enough shooting. I I, I like Rivaldo Soares. When he gets into the mid-range, he's great. He's a good athlete. He's good in transition. He does not shoot the ball consistently enough. Well, this team, yeah, this team did not shoot the ball well. That was no. one thing that was pretty consistent uh, throughout the whole year. They just went they went minutes without scoring. Their ups were their their highs were high and their lows were low. You know, they they had some of the best of times, some of the worst of times, and and we saw it. I mean, hell, we saw it in one weekend. We with the ASU loss and the Arizona win. I mean, I was at the Arizona win. It was one of the best. But the guys who, 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 you know, were at that Arizona State when on Thursday night, they walked out of there like, what in the hell just happened here? Just completely torched. And that same exact team turns it around. This team, you know, completely opens the door because you have all these injuries. Your starting guards are out. Your big is out. Who's your, you know, best player. And one of the conference, one of the conference uh, best player. And, you know, you just hit a second gear. You've got guys in there who are walk-ons who are doing their thing. And, uh, and you start scoring, you start getting excited again. You're like, yes, now's the time. No, 
bang right in the yeah. you know, <laughs> this just... is the point of the year like this is, i've been through so much of this i mean i go to as many games as possible from portland you know uh i buddy i was looking up tickets to go to the vegas thing i was like okay if they win this game tonight good luck not having me in vegas during spring break during this day i got spring break <laughs> yeah, off no. next week give me a, another another four days in vegas i'll do that my liver can handle it i think and uh and I and but you know that it's a fun team to watch. I really think that the whole Dana Altman, not to get too dramatic here, but I think the whole Dana Altman, uh, you know, questioning Dana and everything else like that. I just think that you have to have some faith, and I think that the the, the guys coming in are going to be better. It's it, it'll 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 rebound, but you know, I had a couple years where it just the shots weren't going in. They, they could not shoot the ball at the level that they wanted, and I tend to think that it also stems from the fact they don't have a a smaller point guard. And it really showed up when they had Keyshawn as the main point guard. That their offense smoothed out a little bit. They got open shots again. They got open looks again. They got backdoor dunks, that sort of stuff. It was really missing when it was uh, Will and Quincy. Just two big guards kind of slow down the offense. Yeah, I, I think that you know Will losing his confidence too was very obvious, first of all. And I think it was highly detrimental to to Oregon's ability to score which was already a weakness for them you know o- over the course of, of this season but you know I, I'm with you on the Dana thing by the way o- Oregon's not going to be looking for a new coach you got an elite slew of recruits coming in yeah. in this 2023 cycle who figure to be impact players next year and look we'll wait and see who ends up coming back and and who does not? Because we don't know about Quincy Garrier, we don't know about Enfali Dante. Will Richardson's out of eligibility. I haven't heard on heard anything on Bartholomew. I, I don't expect him to enter the portal. You know, he had an injury riddled season. Unfortunately, when he's there, I he's exactly what I wanted him to be when I saw he was transferring last year. Which is that guy looks like the perfect backup point guard. Come I in, with, and I talked with his. And I thought he looked great as a starting point guard. One yeah, he, yeah, he, he he did. Um, I, I talked with his parents. I feel like he's going to stay. I talked with Don Essig thinks and probably Dante is going to stay. Uh, really? I, I, yeah, and I was I, I thought there was no way. I mean, he's he's a pro player somewhere, but I I don't know. I um, Quincy's a question mark. I I think Rivaldo would stay, but I, maybe not. I mean, his body language feels like he's gone a little bit. But the guys coming in, I think, are good. There's going to be other guys going to have a shot at this. I just. You need depth, and you know the way that the de- defense this year, you know, came together at the end. I don't know about Khalil Ware. I, I would love to see him stay another year. You know, Kwame Evans coming in as a as a pretty legitimate guy. Uh, another guy who's got height. I just love Nate Biddle's story. I love I love how this deep play, team played defense down the stretch, and you know, just things didn't work out for him. And it's too bad. I think they should have represented the pack. I think they were better than UCLA. I think they were better than ASU, or not UCLA, USC. They were better than ASU, I think, and um, I think they probably should have been there, but they probably would have lost in the tournament and we yeah. won a you know a game one or game because two. they can't shoot. They can't they, shoot. They 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 can't they, they, can't, they cannot shoot. Yeah, so that's going to bite you. But I think they do a lot of other things well, and they have good energy, and I think that's the key thing when you look at a team like have you lost the team or not? That's not the case with Oregon, and I think right. the guys who didn't get a chance to play in the middle of the year, like Tyrone Williams, when they did get a chance to play, they capitalized on it. The guy went crazy, and I felt like. He made a name for himself in that little run in the NIT. So there's some good things about playing, uh, extending your season, even if it's the NIT. Everybody wants to talk junk about it or whatever. It was still a good thing for us to go through that. Oh, I I completely agree. And 
the, the net feeling for this season in Oregon basketball is negative, but there were some there were some positives here, and, and there are some positives that we should definitely talk about going into next year. Kind of like how you can still, because we're in the month of March, go to builtmarchmadness.com and vote for your favorite built bar because the built March Madness bracket is here. You know I've already voted for the mint brownie bar. That's my personal favorite, but they've got a bunch of other amazing flavors. And when you vote for your favorite bar or puff, you'll be entered into a drawing where 50 lucky locked on listeners will get a free box of built. They'll also, also, one lucky Locked On fan will win a 12-month subscription to Built to have Built's best bars or puffs delivered monthly straight to your door. So run. Don't walk. Run to BuiltMarchMadness.com right now to vote for your favorite bar or puff. Pick up a box while you're there. You can vote every day in March, so hop in and support your pick. I saw a lot of positives from this Oregon basketball team that I hope were in some form or fashion, a glimpse into the future. Now, Khalil Ware, they've talked about him being a one-and-done. I, w- I would love to see him come back, right? In that game against Wisconsin, he he is so far away offensively, but defensively, he can take over a game. He can take over a game. He, he, he is athletically unlike anybody Oregon's ever had. Not Jordan Bell, not Kenny Wooten, not Chris Boucher, nobody. There's never been an athletic big like him, but his offense, Ryan, is miles away. It's not, it's not even consistent and competent at the college level. Yeah. So if he tries to take that to the pros, that, that just has Jordan Bell s- spelled all over it to me. Yeah, he's got a sleepy offensive game. I mean, he's got soft hands, which you can't teach. He's got he's really nice around the basket. He's got that good little hook, got that little turnaround. He doesn't jumper. finish at a clip that doesn't, I would find finish. sufficient. No, and though. he's not strong. And he's not strong. You can tell he's young and he's weak. He's he's an AAU guy. You know, I saw it firsthand. You know, I went to the Oregon State game, and after halftime, these guys come out and you know, the big start working right away and they start slamming bodies in there with the big pillow. And Nate's in there, boom, boom, and Folly's in there, boom, boom. The whole time Khalil's out on the three-point line, just dribbling the ball between his legs. Like not even shooting the ball, just 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 dribbling the ball on the three point line. So he's he's got kind of a sleep mentality a little bit on the on the offensive side. Defensively, you're right, he is locked in. He's a he, he's a swatting machine. You know, we've had some great. You know, that, that Jordan Bell was absolutely electric. Love and Jordan Boucher, Bell. Yeah, him Boucher. He just had rocket ships in his legs. Yeah. And then Boucher was just really had great timing and had you know still does in the NBA. He's still doing his thing like that. But and Kenny uh, Wooten was a better jumper than either of them. Oh God, yes, Kenny Wooten could. Jump I think Jordan on, Bell was the better. Kenny pure... Wooten could like jump on top of the rim. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah he, was, he could. He was just boing boing. I th- I think Bell was the best natural pure shot blocker. Yeah. But and height, was, I think he had an yeah, inch on. But Kenny Wooten too. was the best athlete. But where was his, with his length and athleticism? He blocked shots that only Boucher could even think about blocking. Yeah, very unique. And Biddle, I think, is a very unique player. You know, yes. I mean, they're just there. You know, this 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 game is very different. When I grew up with the seven footer, was Blair Rasmussen in the eighties, and Blair Rasmussen was not a shooter. He was not. He wasn't doing anything. Else. He was big, and he can you know contest shots. These guys now stretch the floor. They shoot the ball from three. They block the ball. They go down. They get layups. I mean, these guys are very unique. Hey, can I jump in really quickly? I heard you say mint. You like mint? You like the mint chocolate chip ice cream? You like the mint? I I, I love mint chocolate okay, chip is, ice cream. Is is my mom's sh- favorite? Okay, is shamrock? Is that mint? Yes, the shamrock flavor. Just yes, mint? that's okay. that's how I understand it. A shamrock. Okay. I, I actually had, had a shamrock shake from McDonald's not that long ago. I don't know. And it was a and it was a mint. It was a mint shake. Yes. When you said the the, the bar, you know, you said the yeah the, the mint the yeah mint. the mint brownie built bar is my favorite. 
easily. Love it. So I just thought, is that is Shamrock on it? <laughs> and not to, not interject, but uh, yeah, I just I love the team. I love the Ducks. I always have loved Oregon basketball. I think as a kid growing up, I was much closer to Oregon basketball than Oregon football. You can see them easier. You're closer in the arena. Yeah, you get true. to kind of know the guys over the years more. They play longer. They have more exposure. Uh, historically, Oregon's always been just good enough to be interesting. And, you know, they rarely made it to the tournament. You know, when I was growing up, they got themselves into the tournament a couple, three times. Dana has completely flipped the switch and they're expected to win 20 games every year. They're expected to be tournament teams every year. They're expected to go into the second weekend of the tournament basically every year almost. And it's like, that's the expectation, which is awesome. Uh, it just, it just, this year, for whatever reason, the fans didn't show up in the Matt Knight arena. It was very quiet in there at oftentimes. The, high, the highs were high and the lows were low. But um, I think this year, you know, you wrap another great football season together. You get people off of COVID one more year. I think next year could be a really big year for this uh, basketball team. I, I think there's a lot of potential there. And one reason that you touched on earlier that I'm glad they played in the NIT is because you allow guys an opportunity to show what they've got, right? right. And, and let's say I, I'm I'm 60-40. I feel like Dante is going to go to the NBA, but I kind of feel that way with Khalil Ware too. But – if you could keep two of the bigs, then you'd have one for the first unit, one for the second unit. But I tell you what, one guy who we know is coming back is Nate Biddle. And oh, yeah. Nate Biddle showed us in the NIT why he was a five-star recruit. I remember, straight, straight up, Ryan, I will be completely blunt here. When he, his first year on campus, my first reaction to watching him play was, five-star? Really? Mm-hmm. Him? Like, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I see some, but five-star? That that guy? Okay, now what he has showed us is that potential. He's built out his frame a little bit. He was really skinny coming out of college, but he's bulked up a little. We'll probably do so again this offseason. He needs to improve his shooting, but the athleticism, the wherewithal, the toughness, the grittiness he plays with, the, the awareness, I, I I see him as a guy that... If he ends up being Oregon's starting center next year, which is possible, I could be okay with that. Yeah. Well, the center position changed so much. And that's what I was kind of saying about, like, you know, Blair Rasmussen in the 80s is nowhere near the player that Nate Biddle would be. But if Blair came out today, that's how he would play. That's just how the game is changing. I've seen it. I've I've coached during the last 20 years. I've seen the complete transition of the game. The bigs just aren't the same way. That's why I think Dante played so well this year. I think that's why you had success for UCLA and you had success for Arizona. All three of those teams had a legitimate big. Okay. All three of those teams had a guy you could dump it down to that yeah. clear the lane and they could get you a bucket. I think the balance that you have to strike though, because I've always been a proponent that March Madness and really college basketball is about guard play. Of course. I think having a huge big like Dante or Biddle or Ware at any point in time or Boucher or Bell or Kenny Wooten, it provides something. Honestly, I think it can give you a big psychological edge because you're dealing with kids. They have one shot blocked. They're scared to go in there. They're they're not the same, right? And they don't have the athleticism most of the time to just finish up over the top of a player like that. But your focal point needs to be your perimeter players, specifically your guards. And, And the question... I, I have plenty of optimism about Oregon going into next year. Again, this season was a disappointment, but it's not like they were bad. Like this was this was an inconsistent, frustrating team because they didn't hit their ceiling, yeah. right? A frustrating one to root for. This is not a bad basketball team. No, they had a lot of really good pieces. Yeah, when, I they're, like when they're have everybody healthy, they were a pretty loaded lineup. Yeah, they were. <laughs> I like Bartholomew. I like Kuznard. Those yeah. guys should both be back. Kuznar, we know for sure. I like Biddle. 
Garrier, I'd be fine either way. He plays hard. He's a little inconsistent for for my liking, but I think there are a lot of pieces there, and I'm curious to see how the new the new guys get get worked in. Mookie Cook, KJ Evans, and then Jackson Shellstad, whose stock is just going through the roof. And of course, everyone's everyone's going to make the Peyton Pritchard comparison because oh, he's a point guard from West Lynn. But he he plays like Kyrie Irving. He he's a very different. But he's got the ball on a string. Yeah. He's, 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 he's very unselfish. And then when he needs to get a bucket, he can score for you. Yeah. And I, I'm, I'm most interested to see what he's going to be able to bring to the table, but he, here's the thing, Ryan, and let's close with this. I think what Oregon basketball has been missing the last couple of years is they don't have a number one. They don't no. have a guy who can take over the game. They don't have a guy in the perimeter who you can go to and carry your offense for stretches, right? The last guy they had to do it was Chris Duarte. And yes. then it was supposed to be Will Richardson. He's been that guy at times. And by the way, when he has been that guy, Oregon has won. Yeah. But he is not that guy over the course of an entire season. And so that's kind of left Oregon a little rudderless from a, a, an on-court play leadership standpoint is the way I see it. They don't have a Peyton Pritchard. They don't have a Dylan Brooks. They don't have a Chris Duarte. They don't have a Joe Young. They don't have an Aaron Brooks if you want to go all the way back. Yeah that's what they're missing. And I don't know where that comes from. Yeah. Well, and they clearly in this day and age, like we talked about, the game has changed so much. you got to make threes. If you can't yeah, make gosh. threes, you're oh, done, gosh. especially yeah. the momentum shift. You know, I always would tell my guys, you know, in high school, you know, the kids couldn't dunk. I said, a three-pointer is like a dunk. I said, you cash in a big three, the net goes through, the crowd goes wild. It's the same type of effect. And now that's what they're doing. These guys, I mean, you saw it. Luke War came down on that break and he went out to the three-point line and the guy passed it to the hoop like, hello, you've got an open layup. Yeah. He had to adjust to get to the hoop and he got this weird and one. But the, the, the natural thing right now is let's get to the three line. It's just, it's changed the game. Yeah. And other teams are doing it at a much better rate than Oregon who had a historically bad three-point shooting season this year. Like that, that that's definitely got to change also if they ever go four of 12 at the free throw line again, Ryan, you, you well, it's the thing that Dana, that's why I said this year was so frustrating. Cause it's all the things that Dana has never really had before. He's his teams always are pretty good at the line. They always are pretty good on the glass and they always, for the most part, can turn people over on the press, you know, and then they shoot well from the three. Uh, none of those this year. <laughs> yeah. And for whatever reason, other teams shot great from the line. Other teams against us shot great from the three-point line. Well, the Other defensive teams, the defensive lapses have been – that's been the last couple of years. The defensive efficiency was pretty good in the paint because you had all yes. those seven-footers and you yep. had inside three-point line was really pretty good. I think it was top 25, but I think the outside was that's where you got burned. And then, I agree. You know, you had teams that just could run it up on you. I mean, that ASU game, that's the perfect example of it. You could not stop their three. They looked yeah. like they Or even, even look at Wisconsin. You held them to four, 16 shooting at one point. But then you gave up open threes down Wide the stretch, open, right? right? And, and that, and that, and that's the what epitome lost of the, the year. Game. That's why we said it's like a gut punch. Right. It's the epitome of the year. It's yeah, a, it's an example. Right? The good news, and we'll close with this piece of optimism, is th- they're not that far away. They're not. Th- this is this is not you know Arizona State. This is not Cal basketball or Arizona State last year or Stanford. They they don't need wholesale changes. They need to just do a couple things better. And they're and they're right there. They 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 could play with them. They're like a ten handicap, man. They just exactly. They're They're not a twenty. They're not a twenty. They're like a ten, and they need to get down to a five. But to do that, you got to clean up the wedge play. You got (laughs) to putt a little bit better. 
two things that I'm always trying to do. I just bought a new putter because I couldn't putt for. Let's go. Worth bless, a darn. Bless the new one. Yeah, bless bless the new one. It was off to a good start. All Joe already. Boo. 30, 30 putts in the uh, in the first round with it. It was Joe it was, Boo. It was successful. Light the but. incense. yeah i need i need vibes in that sense but hopefully that hopefully we get some some encouraging signs next year for oregon basketball we'll keep talking about that if you got questions as always submit them youtube and on twitter my man ryan winter he is sports chat 503 on twitter and on youtube appreciate you as always ryan good to talk to you appreciate everyone listening have a wonderful rest of your day and a great weekend and go ducks